we have a few interesting things which uh, were in the, the, these were in the Telegraph yesterday and there was a little bit about it on the Sunday program this morning they're going to dig up Cardinal Newman's body having obtained a license from the Ministry of Justice this chap writing Christopher Howes he says for all I know it might have happened last night from his grave at Rednell outside Birmingham he is to be reburied at the Birmingham Oratory since later this year he is expected to be beatified a step away from canonization Cardinal Newman was a convert to Roman Catholicism and a bit of bone is to be removed from his body and revered as a relic unbelievable but having said that here's, a, here's an interesting survey which was carried out on a report by a professor Kristin Ann a sociologist at the University of Derby the old fashioned attitudes and hierarchies of the Church of England are causing a steep decline in the number of female worshippers according to an academic study the report claims that more than 50,000 women a year a year have deserted their congregations over the past two decades because they feel the church is not relevant to their lives it says that instead young women are becoming attracted to the pagan religion Wicca where women play a central role Wicca has grown in popularity after being featured positively in films, books and TV shows including Buffa the Vampire Slayer. And this is just the result of the church mixing with Wicca and such like things. The film uh, Harry Potter was filmed actually as far as I remember in Gloucester, in Gloucester Cathedral and so what did they expect if they promote this type of thing that the young people are leaving the church and heading for paganism the report's author Kristen Horn, a sociologist at the University of Derby said in short women are abandoning the church because of its focus on female empowerment, young women are attracted by Wicca. So there we are. On the top down here, couldn't wait to see the latest film on Harry Potter. But there we are. Here's another thing. And a new Indian version of the Bible recently published by the Roman Catholic Church has run into controversy over its inclusion of verses from the Bhagavad Gita a form of Hindu chant and references to the teaching of Mahatma Gandhi an illustration in the new version New Community Bible depicts Jesus, Mary and Joseph as poor Indian villagers Mary wears a simple sari and has a bindi on her forehead alongside Joseph in a turban and loincloth and now this bindi mark is this red mark you see Hindus wearing of various types and sorts and that is a, an indication of their their adoration of a particular Hindu god and they depict in this bible Mary wearing one of these signs on her head 
And uh, there we are. That's amazing the way the Roman Catholic Church can adapt itself to all these pagan practices. More relevant perhaps to, to present day happenings within the world at large is the fact of uh, we've, we all know this Russia attacking Georgia and all that type of thing and Russia president the Russian president uh, Putin has shocked the world by inviting the radical Islamic terrorist organization Hamas to visit Russia Putin has said that Russia never considered Hamas to be a terrorist organization even the French have not gone that far Russia is developing very strong relations with Iran and Syria, two of the Islamic nations that are most militant in their policies against Israel and the United States. Why is this development potentially important for Bible prophecy? It is important because we are witnessing a growing alliance between Russia and many in the Muslim world. It's interesting that Orthodox Russia and Muslims are, are joining up. Just such an alliance by Russia and a group of nations will come down to invade Israel in the latter days according to Ezekiel 38 and 39. They will be part of those nations which will come against Israel. Now, apropos of that, something came in on the 20th of August and it was about this same thing. Syrian President Bashar Assad is scheduled to leave for Russia on Wednesday for a two-day visit that has been described by analysts as important at a time when Moscow may be considering closer ties with the Arab world. Syrian media have described Assad's visit to Moscow as a working visit to discuss closer ties in a variety of unspecified areas. A number of reports in recent months have mentioned large arms deals between Russia and Syria, including advanced anti-aircraft missile systems. And uh, they were a bit annoyed, obviously, between uh, America's involvement in Georgia and it says Russia and Syrian analysts have said that Israel's military assistance to Georgia as well has paved the way for a particularly successful visit for the Syrian president, whose country has taken a clear stance on the side of Moscow in, recent, in the recent conflict in the Caucasus. It is no coincidence that one day before Assad's arrival, Russian Deputy Chief of Staff accused Israel at a Moscow news conference yesterday of arming and training the Georgian military. Now this is interesting, listen to this. The significant military assistance provided by Israel to Georgia in its war against Russia will affect in the future and probably in the near future ties between Russia and Israel. <coughs> And Russia's attitude towards Arab states, a Russian analyst said in an interview to Syrian television. But listen, Russia will re-examine its ties with Israel, and it is not unlikely 
that Moscow will now decide to increase its military assistance to Arab countries in conflict with Israel, including Syria. And having said that, uh, on the 21st of August, it says here, while America awaits Moscow's threatened reprisal for the treaty with Poland signed in Warsaw, uh, the Kremlin is striking back in the Middle East. A powerful naval Russian contingent led by the aircraft carrier Admiral Kutskstenvalsov left Momansk on the Barents Sea on August the 18th and is scheduled to dock at the Syrian Mediterranean port of Tartus uh, yesterday actually. It includes the Russian Navy's biggest missile cruiser and at least four nuclear missile submarines. Before the Russian flotilla departed Momansk, Syrian President Assad is reported to have approved a plan for the Tartus ports conversion into a permanent Middle East base for Russia's nuclear-armed warships. Assad is looking for closer military cooperation with Russia. The deal emerging from his visit is expected to cover the Russian Navy's use of Tartus in return for a mutual defense accord, according, uh, providing Syria with a Russian nuclear umbrella and generous terms for arms purchases. So it's all hotting up a little bit in the Middle East that uh, Syria now will have on its uh, land a base for Russian missile submarines. So let's move on to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 16 and we're on to the last few verses of this chapter. Deuteronomy 16. And we're going to read from verse 16. Three times a year shall all the males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. Now we come to a legal system which was to be instigated. Judges and officers shalt thou make in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment, that is, twist it, uh, turn it around a little bit. Thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift or a bribe, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And then two more points. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. Neither shalt thou set thee up any image which the Lord thy God 
hateth. We come to these final verses on chapter 16. And it's about these three feasts which we have been studying. And these feasts are the three occasions when the males have to present themselves at the place that God shall choose, which we know in the future promised land was Jerusalem. And the point is too, they could not appear before the Lord empty. This was to be a joyous feast, a time of great happiness, especially this last one the Feast of Tabernacles that we have been studying last week. And they weren't to come to these feasts empty-handed. They were to come with hearts and minds and hands full of praise and full of the evidence that God had provided for them. The bountiful blessings of God. These were to gladden the hearts of everybody at the feast the servants of God the Levites were to enjoy this their own family their servants the strangers around the orphans and the widows their God would have them all meet around him in order to celebrate this joyous feast And this would also demonstrate to everybody else the greatness of their God. How he had blessed their labours in the harvest and in every other way. You know, we spoke a few weeks ago on verse uh, 17. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. They were to give, it would seem, in proportion as to how they considered God had blessed them. And we saw that this was a challenge to us, didn't we? We are to offer to God our sacrifice of praise, but it is also important that our material bountifulness, which God has provided and given to us, should also express how God has blessed us Galatians 6.10 as we have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith and then we, we, we realized how greatly we have been blessed and we looked at Ephesians chapters 1 and 2 but Ephesians 1.3 sets the scene it says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And we know that God shall supply all your need. All. And all spiritual blessings. Again, we should go back someday and read Ephesians 1 and 2 again. You know, the psalmist throughout Scripture, but in particularly in the Psalms, they're, they're constantly telling us to bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I was looking at Psalm 107. Four times the psalmist pleads in Psalm 107, in verse 8, in verse 15, in verse 21, in verse 31. And what does he say? Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that 
He says it again and again. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I remember thinking of this, praising God for his goodness and for his wonderful works. I was in Calcutta and there were a bunch of slum kids and they were being taught to sing. They were going to sing in some service or other. And they were singing a hymn. And that hymn has remained with me. And I'll read it later. It was very challenging. You know, we come to the Lord day by day while we're here on earth. But there will come a time when each of us, as Christians, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And it'll be a challenging time as to how we have obeyed these scriptures which we have been just reading to do good unto all men to offer the sacrifice of praise to God 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 it says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad we as Christians will come before the judgment seat of Christ. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, you'll see that this is explained. It's not a matter of our conversion. It's a matter of how we have lived while our lives as Christians. It said, Paul speaking, he says, For other foundation can no man lay that is laid which is Jesus Christ now if any man builds upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones wood, hay, stubble every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work for what it is sort it is if a man's work abide which he hath built thereupon he shall receive a reward if a man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Our works as Christians, we will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. Not to lose our salvation one way or the other, but as a reward. As a reward. And this is the hymn that these kids were singing. The time of the harvest was ended, and the summer of life was gone. When in from the fields came the reapers, called home by the dip of the sun. I saw each bearing a burden of toilsomely ingathered sheaves. They brought them in love to the master. But I could bring nothing but leaves. The years that he gave I had wasted, nor thought that how soon they would fly. While others toiled hard for the harvest, I carelessly let them slip by. I idled about without purpose, nor cared I, but now how it grieves. While others brought fruit to their master, I found I had nothing but leaves. 
Then soon from my dream I was wakened, and sad was my heart. For I knew that though my life's day was not over, ere long I would bid it adieu. I started in shame and in sorrow. I turned from the sin that deceives. Henceforth I would toil for my Saviour, or maybe bring nothing but leaves. I could bring nothing but leaves. I could bring nothing but leaves. While others came in with their bright golden sheaves, I could bring nothing, nothing, nothing but leaves. And these men were to come before the Lord in these feasts not empty. They were not to come empty-handed. May we, when we see our Saviour face to face, not come empty-handed. And then we have the next few verses. We have the introduction of a legal system. Those people were to be appointed in authority to ensure just and fair treatment of all in order that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. We have to live orderly lives as Christians and in order to enjoy the life in promised land they had to have an orderly life and we as Christians if we're to enjoy our Christian path down here on earth we must live orderly lives thou shalt not rest judgment thou shalt not respect persons thou shalt not rest judgment means thou shalt not twist it and incline it one way or the other it has to be straight thou shalt not respect persons you shall not have people because they're in high authority treat them differently from the person of low estate and we have this all repeated again and again in the New Testament neither take a gift a bribe and pervert the justice what happens with a bribe for a gift doth bind the eyes of the wise it blinds you to the true situation and pervert the words of the righteous a couple of interesting uh, verses in Proverbs Proverbs 17 23 a wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment you know we have a very good expression these days there's no such thing as a free lunch people don't give you free lunches for nothing a wicked man taketh a gift out of the bosom to pervert the ways of judgment. And Proverbs 24, verse 23, strangely enough as well. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. It's not good to have respect of persons in judgment. 
You know, there's a whole lot of verses in Romans chapter 12 and 13. All such practical things. And we as Christians should live according to those principles as set out in Romans 12 and 13. If you look at Romans uh, 12 for a minute, Paul is exhorting here to practical living. We are to present our bodies in sacrifice of praise to God. And then we have a very practical passage here. How we should live our lives as Christians before the world. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honour preferring one another. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality bless them which persecute you bless and curse not rejoice with them who do rejoice and weep with them that weep that's why these men had to live orderly lives in in the promised land they had judges there to judge how they should live if they stepped out of line we're accountable to God Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Oh, this is all such practical. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And then in chapter 13, it tells all about how we should be subject to the higher powers whom God has permitted to be in charge. It's an interesting chapter. It goes on to say, Render therefore to all their Jews tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is Fear to whom fear, honour to whom honour. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And so on. Read those chapters 12 and 13 and see how as it was in the days of Deuteronomy and Moses telling them that they're going to have to have judges and officers and they were to obey these, we too as Christians live in this world and we are to obey obey let's carry on I was going to read a lot of that but you can all read it when you go home and now we come to an interesting few verses here the last two verses of chapter 16 thou shalt not plant the a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God which thou shalt make thee my goodness such a, a, a command seems to me and would have seemed maybe strange to them at that time 
when you go into the promised land and you have a place where the altar of the Lord is don't plant a grove of pagan trees anywhere near it oh we wouldn't do that That, that's so far fetched it wouldn't happen let's turn to 2nd Kings Second Kings 23. And Josiah, the king, had come in. And he started reforms. Because the people had strayed away from the worship of Jehovah. And look, verse 3. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and with all their soul to perform the, perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people stood to the covenant and the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the host of heaven and he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel and he put down the idolatrous priests whom the king of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem them also that burned incense unto Baal to the sun and to the moon and to the planets and to the hosts of heaven and he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord brought it outside Jerusalem onto the brook Kedron and burned it at the brook Kedron and stamped it small to powder and cast the powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people and he broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings for the grove and he brought all the priests out of the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba and broke down the high places of the gates in the entering of the gate of Joshua the governor of the city which were on a man's left hand at the gate of the city couldn't happen it happened it happened these people who had been brought into this promised land by this bountiful God they turned and they started worshipping false gods they didn't keep this law and throughout the Old Testament we see instances of this happening again and again and again mixing the profane the pagan with the holy what we were reading there in the, the, at the start of the service we have this superstition in the Roman Catholic Church keeping people's bits of bones so that they can pray to them. Old-fashioned uh, church being slain by, uh, by, by mixing. 
with witchcraft, allowing cathedrals to be the place where, where films can be made about witchcraft, where we have uh, Buddhists and, and, and uh, Hindus and Muslims all meeting in houses, cathedrals, which have been dedicated to the worship of God. And then we wonder what's wrong with this world. We wonder what's wrong with our country. Just the same thing has happened in the, in, in the Bible. These things have to be removed. Our churches, God must look down and he must grieve as he sees what is happening to the churches in this land. Turn to Ezekiel 8. Hope we've time to do this. Ezekiel chapter eight. You need to read this probably yourselves. Ezekiel was gave, given a vision, and the vision was of abominations which were happening. God gave him this vision. Oh, that we could have a vision, that people in churches could have a vision and see the abominations that are happening in churches today. It's compromise with evil. We have today on the on the today program, the Sunday program, was a uh, an anniversary, 60th anniversary of the World Council of Churches, where we have all this amalgamation of churches all trying to hit unity. And they'll never make it. They'll never make it. And start at verse 4. The Lord, behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar this image of jealousy in the entry. And he said furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. They had erected in this vision images, images at the gate of the altar. And he brought me to the door of the court, and I looked, and behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged a hole in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wickedness, abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel and in the midst of them Jazaniah the son of Shaphan with every man his censer in his hand and a thick cloud of incense went up. Here they were in the temple of the Lord with all these abominable things. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening today in our churches. We're mixing with all these abominable things. 
the Dalai Lama and all these uh, people have been invited into our churches and we expect blessing. Are we surprised? Are we surprised that these young women are leaving the churches in hordes to join pagan religions? And then we see what happens in chapter 9. He has another vision. Go into the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Oh, there were still some people who were sighing and crying because of these abominations which were happening. And he said, go in and mark those people. But then he says, go through, go through the land and start with the house of God and slay those who have defiled my temple. All that we could see and that we have people in our churches today who sigh and cry for the abominations that are taking place. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. As God judged the world in Noah's day, as he allowed his beloved people to be taken into captivity to Babylon, as he permitted the temple to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, as he again permitted that temple to be destroyed in AD 70, judgment is coming. Judgment. And we've been reading these, these events which are happening in the Middle East. It cannot be far away. Things are hotting up. God is still looking for those people who will sigh and cry for the abominations taking place today. He's looking for reapers who will toil for the master. It seems at times against impossible odds. He wants us to bring in more sheaves ere the time of harvest is over. The night cometh, scripture says, when no man can work. Religion is setting up images and setting up false gods in the house of God. As it says here, about don't have a grove, don't have these false religions, don't have them where God's altar has been set up. Just in closing, I read the, 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 the flyleaf of a book which has just recently been published. You know, John said the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. And we don't realize it. The title of this uh, book, it says, Queen of Rome, Queen of Islam, Queen of All. The Marian apparitions plan to unite all religions under the Roman Catholic Church. There's going to be this massive one world religion ruled over by the Antichrist. And here's what it says. According to the book of Revelation, a woman will reign over the kings of the earth in the final days. The Apostle John marveled with great amazement when he saw the woman who says in her heart, I sit a queen. In Revelation 18 verse 7. We 
are even told that she will sit over the nations. Revelation 17 verse 15. The woman rides the beast. The prophet Isaiah also foresaw a woman who is called the Lady of Kingdoms in Isaiah 47. Ironically, Isaiah predicts that her true identity would remain concealed until the very end. Who is the queen, this queen and lady? How could she possibly encompass nations and kingdoms? What will be her fate and the false the fate of those who follow her? The Bible. God's word identifies numerous last day trends that appear to be culminating before our very eyes. We're talking about them today. They're culminating before our very eyes. With all these prophecies now lining up, it seems strange that many believers are unaware of the woman's agenda. Yet God explains why. For he foresees the lady saying in her heart, in Isaiah 47 verse 10, she says, None seeth me. We need to be aware of what's happening in prophecy today. We need to be aware that this world is under judgment. We need to be awake. And to ensure that we do not plant a grove of any trees near to the altar of the Lord our God. Time is short. We need to get reaping. Else we may discover someday that we have nothing but leaves. Leaves.